0: Good evening and welcome to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Hunter Combs and I'm in the studio with my lovely wife, Andrea. Thanks for joining me tonight.
1: It's a pleasure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, last time when we were here in the studio, we spoke about love and courtship. And so, we just want to do a follow up on that. Um, Just for those of you who may not have heard the other talk or forgot what we spoke about, uh, Andrea and I met 11 years ago in the States.
1: Twelve years okay, ago. Up
0: Twelve <laughs> years ago, we started a relationship about eleven years ago, and we're coming up on ten years of marriage. We have three little boys: Jeremy, who is preparing to be a future world leader; uh, <laughs> Joshua, who is a very sweet and loving and adventurous boy; and Oliver, who's three months old. So we're still yet to sort of learn his personality. Uh, But he sometimes sort of gets lost in the background of all the noise of his older brothers. (laughs) Um, Uh,
1: Jeremy is almost six and Josh is almost three. Just so you can get an idea of how old they are.
0: And we have a three month old. So, yeah, last time we spoke about love and courtship. And really, we want to talk about this because it's important that as Christians that we understand what the Bible has to say about relationships And we spoke about the foundation of love, where our source of love comes from. It comes from God rather than from our future spouse or this person we're in a relationship with. Uh, It's like when we look for our source of love in that person, it's like taking a drink of water from a small little cup that soon is going to run out and we're going to get thirsty. We aren't able to wash our hands because it's only this tiny little glass. Whereas if we go to God, the source of love, God who is love, it's like coming to Victoria Falls and we have unending water to cleanse ourselves from to wash in to drink from and it's this unending source that just keeps flowing and that's how it is when we find our love and our foundation from God then we have enough to we can bring a bucket of water there and we can an empty bucket and be filled and then we can pour it out into another person's life and so we need our source of love in God as 1 John four says, beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And so that's where our source of love is. And we talked about the difference between courtship and marriage last, th- or sorry, courtship versus dating last time. Whereas dating focuses more on just isolating and focusing on how beautiful the other person is, and just being alone together, which often leads to sexual sin. Uh, Courting is about really focusing on the spiritual aspect, building the other person up in Christ and being in community. How can I involve the other person's uh, um, authorities in their life, like their pastor, their parents, their elders, their friends, and and really think about, is this the right fit for me? These authorities in this girl's life, they know her a lot better than I do. And Asking them, well, do you think our personalities fit? Do you think we are a good fit for each other? Rather than saying, no, 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 as dating would. We're we're independent of authority. We're going to do what feels right for us. And so we talked about some of the aspects of courting um, that we want to sort of be aware of. We don't want to f- rush into a relationship. Rather, we talked about fool's rush and love waits. So we don't want to just foolishly head head run headlong into a decision. Uh, we want to really think, is this the right person for me? Um, whereas some people spend so much time over analyzing the person they're meant to be with that no one's ever good enough. They're always, oh, but what about this? What about this idiosyncrasy and that? And well, they don't like running and I like running. Oh, maybe this isn't going to work. And so the reality is you're two flawed people entering into a relationship. You're never going to find a perfect person because you're a sinner marrying a sinner and you both need a savior. His name's Jesus Christ. You're not marrying your savior. You're marrying a sinner. <laughs> uh, another thing we talked about, self-love versus self-sacrifice. Really, do I find my sufficiency from Christ alone or from this person? Is there idolatry in my heart? Um, is there idolatry in my heart where I'm looking for this person to really fill this brokenness in me? Like, uh, I just have this sort of messed up stuff going on in my soul, but I feel whole when I'm around this person. And kind of like many love stories today, it talks about in the movie Meet Joe Black, love is passion, obsession, someone you can't live without. If you don't start with that, what are you going to end up with? Well, it's not...
1: Ideally, a healthy relationship. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's not someone you can't live without. If you can't live without this person, then, I mean, the only person you shouldn't be able to live without is Jesus Christ. (laughs) Amen. This person is that, then they're really becoming your false messiah, your false savior. Um, And Andre and I could share stories about that from our relationship, just where we sort of fell into that trap ourselves. Um, Another thing we didn't touch, go so deeply into is authentic versus artificial relationships. And maybe we can pick up there with those two points that we didn't get to go as deep into last time and sort of start talking about that. So when we began our relationship, we knew that the Lord had really brought us together, and he had even told us different ways that we were going to end up getting married. We were. This was the person that he had planned for us. And it didn't prevent us from falling into a pitfall of allowing that person to become an idol in our hearts. And for me, I really thought, oh, okay, if God has ordained this relationship, then well, it's going to be easy. It's going to be like in the movies. I mean, we've all seen You've Got Mail and these other love stories, and it's just easy for them. It's like, it just, it just works. But (laughs) that's really romanticizing a sinful relationship. Uh, The marriage relationship is meant to be a reflection of Christ and the church, but they aren't Christ, and we are sinners and we need to realize that we both are fallen people who need Christ. So I think really in the beginning of our, our relationship, what were some of the pitfalls that we kind of fell into um, of thinking of each other as, I think you had said in the past, sort of thinking of me as sort of a, not a savior, but sort of someone to fix your problems, whereas yes. I sort of jump into this savior mode of, oh, I want to fix everything. I want to make your life perfect. And so it's kind of a, it was a bad match of me wanting to be little little uh, person to be perfect and always please you, and you looking to me to be that sort of fulfillment in your life. Um, and it really was not a good no. starting place for us in our relationship. No,
1: I mean, it's not like I consciously went into this thinking, Hunter will solve all my problems. But in my mind, I thought you were pretty much as close to perfect as you can get because... We had been together for less than a year and a half by the time we got married. I think we'd been together for about 15 months in our relationship. And I thought, you know, Hunter's Hunter's pretty great. No, he's not perfect, but he's kind of as close to perfect as you can get. So I kind (laughs) of put that pressure on you without meaning to that Uh, you were going to fix things that needed fixing and you were going to solve my problems and what do you mean you're not perfect? You're letting me down. How can this be? And it caused unnecessary... Tension. Tension and arguments that didn't need to take place because if we had been a bit more mature, then we would have realized this is an unhealthy expectation. And it it probably... I think we figured it out within the first year. I remember we were still yeah. in our first apartment. Um, but well, we
0: were we blessed to have mentors in our life. Yes. And that... Also have background in counseling, Mm -hmm. so our uh, first mentor really he was also a biblical counselor. So he really gave us a lot of helpful insight. Like, oh, he did. He opened our eyes. (laughs)
1: Um, So all that to say, it was really easy for us to um,
0: at least identify uh, the issues.
1: Yes, but I found it too easy to find Hunter as my sort of earthly savior and. Um, of course I've learned better since then I know that Hunter could never be my earthly savior because he's not perfect and neither am I and we can't expect each other to uphold such an incredible position in our lives because only God can fulfill that so
0: yeah and that's really I mean this gets down to idolatry in the heart which God spoke through Moses and gave the 10 commandments and he says You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself the carved image or any likeness of anything that's in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, including a spouse. Mm -hmm. And so, the greatest problem in our relationships is the sinfulness in our hearts that leads us to fall away and look, turn away from God and finding our wholeness and contentment in other people rather than the Lord. And we look for our contentment in a flawed person. Guess what? We're going to be very (laughs) disappointed. We're a sinner looking to marry a sinner. You both both must be abiding and trusting in Christ in order to have a healthy relationship. If you're abiding and trusting in each other, guess what? You're going to shrivel up and be very spiritually unhealthy.
1: Um, We had mentioned last week about the, or last time rather, when we spoke, the book What Did You Expect by Paul Tripp. And he says, When I remember the lavish, faithful, patient, forgiving, and empowering love that has been poured on me... That I could never have earned and will never be able to fully reciprocate, I will want to give that love away to someone else.
0: Hmm. And
1: that's just that very potent reminder, self-love or self-sacrifice. And a godly marriage is self-sacrificial, not self-loving. The whole goal is to reflect and mirror the relationship between Christ and the church. And I think we can all agree that God's or Christ's relationship with the church is not a selfish one. If it were, he wouldn't have anything to do with us because we constantly let him down time after time after time. And yet he loves us perfectly and unconditionally. And that is exactly what we're called to do in marriage.
0: Yeah, so it's really remembering the gospel first. Faith comes before works. Your position in Christ comes before your practice and what you do for Christ. I mean, Paul in his epistles... uh, He's very clear, on. he states our, who we are in Christ. And he does this in Ephesians. The first three chapters are about who you are in Christ. God, God has chosen you before the foundation of the world. He's saved you. He's raised you up. He's seated you with Christ in the heavenly places. Even when you're dead in your sins, he's made you alive together with Christ. And he gives a strong reminder of who you are in Christ. And remember the love of Christ. You need the Spirit to remind you of who, what God's love is for you in Christ that you can't even fathom it. It's beyond a height and depth and comprehension. You need the spirit to explain to you, help you see how beautiful the love of God is for you. And he says, therefore, I urge you to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. So our position, who we are in Christ, we're children of God, we're reconciled, we're redeemed, we're forgiven, we're members of his family, we're his children, taken out of darkness into light. That is what's our foundation for our relationship. It's bringing that, empty bucket to victoria falls to be filled so that we can pour it out on someone else so the next thing we had ended talking about last time is are you authentic in your relationships are you artificial is it like a cheesy knockoff of a cell phone like oh look at my iphone it's from china it's not really an iphone but it looks just like it'll break in three weeks or is it the real thing is this actually the authentic thing you're looking for
1: Yes, yeah, so we had discussed that it's all too easy to hide our sin and the shadow side of our souls from people. But it's and it's not impossible to keep those things locked away from family and friends. But you can't expect to have a lasting and loving relationship with your spouse if you keep these negative aspects of yourself from them. Marriage requires transparency, honesty, humility, and endless grace. Rather than slipping into the pretentious habit of perfectionism, we have to accept and adorn the rawness of uh, repentance. Pretending that everything is perfect just leads to the pitfall of a performance-based relationship. Perfectionism is the status quo of legalistic relationships, right? I mean, these relationships will absolutely be devoid of real grace and the gospel, Perfectionist people live their lives on rules and do's and don'ts, but repentant people live their lives in the light, realizing that they do not deserve the grace of God. They understand that if it was not for the immeasurable grace of God, that they would be without hope. So in your search for a spouse, remember that the vital importance of being open and honest with him or her, because if you don't, you can only pretend for so long, which is ultimately why so many marriages fail.
0: Yeah. And I think we sort of fell into this in our relationship, me being a perfectionist and thinking I have to be perfect. And if I ever make a mistake or sin or anything, then it's the whole world's coming to an end. But (laughs) really, we're flawed. We're sinful people who need the grace of God. I can't be this perfect savior for my spouse all the time. It's too big of a, uh, an expectation to put on yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's so self-righteous to think you can be Oh, yes, I can just be like Jesus to my spouse. <laughs> no, you're supposed to be, but you never will be. And so, yeah, it leads to this perfectionism, this legalism, like I must do this, 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 and you end up miserable and bitter. And that's why we need to live in the light and in repentance. Um, so we want to think about now sort of uh, what are some profiles of a potential spouse or potential suitor, someone you're entering into a relationship with, um, as we consider courtship this week
1: yes so i am sure if (laughs) you're anything like me you would have had a list of what you imagine your spouse ought to be when i was younger i definitely had that list so my question to you is does that list focus more on the inward or the external if your concern is more superficial than spiritual then you should probably toss that list into the recycling because after all we do still care about the environment right So when desiring to find a lifelong partner in marriage, there are some key questions to ask. Does their faith, calling, and character honor the Lord? Is their primary focus um, in life outward or inward? The following questions here that Hunter will share with you should prove helpful to when determining the suitability of a suitor.
0: Yeah. So oftentimes people have this sort of list in their mind, as Andrea was talking about, of 27 different qualities and. The top three are oh well, they like hiking, they like the outdoors. You want brown
1: hair, blue eyes. Yeah, exactly.
0: It's <laughs> these very surface level things, uh, but they're not. They don't really get to the character. It's just looking again at the cover of the book, not the content. So it's about the content not the cover. We don't just want this beautiful cover that we can, ooh, look at this everyone, I have this beautiful new book. Oh, wow, that's cool. No, <laughs> look at this new spell. Oh, wow, they're so beautiful. And, all
1: the pages are empty. Spoiler alert.
0: <laughs> and then, I mean, you look at Hollywood, why is there such a high divorce rate in Hollywood? Well, because it's all about how they look. It's all about the external rather than Or character. how
1: they make that person feel.
0: Exactly. And so, it has to go deeper than just skin level. It has to go to the heart. And so these are some important questions to think about. The first would be, as a Christian, do they love the Lord more than you? Does this person you're in a relationship with or pursuing a relationship or desiring a relationship with, do they love the Lord more than you? If it came down to it in your relationship, would they be willing to give up the relationship if it was pulling you or both of you away from Christ? And I think that's an important thing to think about because many people... And want to get in a relationship well the first question i ask when someone says oh i met a guy oh i met a girl did they love the lord <laughs> and well um you know i haven't gotten there yet well then don't even consider it yet because that is the foundation of your mm. marriage that's what's going to pull you through when you don't feel <laughs> like sticking with it 10 years into marriage Uh, seven years into marriage, 20 years into marriage, whatever it is, that's going to pull you through. Do they love the Lord? Are they committed to Christ and going to say, no, I'm going to stick with it through thick and thin. Second question is, do they have the same or complementary life calling as you? Meaning, does one of you feel a real call to the mission field and the other one of you just feels, well, you know, I want to be an engineer, I want to be a programmer and I want to work in Silicon Valley in the States. Um, Well, in that instance, those two callings don't seem very complementary, And maybe there's an exception where one of the person needs to really prayerfully think through, is this call that I feel in my life really a call or just something that I selfishly want to do? So there is room for give and take and thinking through and praying through everything. Um, But we need to think through, do we have the same or complementary life calling?
1: Yes. I mean, for us, you would think that a South African kid studying in the States who was determined to move back to South Africa once graduating, once I had graduated, rather, um, you would think that for me, it wouldn't really work out for us to pursue a relationship because Hunter had felt a calling potentially to the Middle East, or at least he had a desire to work with a certain people group, which live in the Middle East. And for me, that was absolutely something that I did not feel God had called me to. I was open to it, But I was pretty certain my calling was here in South Africa. And it wasn't that I dragged Hunter over here and said, you have to live here if you want a relationship with me. But God guided both of us to deciding after he finished studying his master's at Phoenix Seminary to move here to South Africa with me. So it was a mutual desire, mutual calling. And we both have a life calling together in ministry and missions. But it took a while for us to figure out what that looked like.
0: Yeah. And so that's the second question. first one, do they love the Lord? Second, do they have the same or complementary life calling? Uh, Complementary meaning if one person wants to be a teacher, the other person wants to be a missionary, well, okay, that can work together because one can be a missionary and working with the people. The other can be teaching, and you can both sort of see how that can work together. I mean, we've met many couples that they have different giftings, different, uh, not callings, different, well, yeah, callings, and one's maybe a pastor, a mentor, the other's a teacher, and it works together well. So complementary, does it work well? Does it fit together with that vision, that direction that you feel the Lord's calling you? And the last thing, just basic point, is are they a person of character? Are they humble? Are they willing to admit when they're wrong? Do they repent? Do they ask forgiveness, seek forgiveness when they've done wrong? Are they loving? Are they someone who puts your needs before themselves? Are they honest? Do they sort of skirt around the truth and lie when you know sin comes up? Or, or are they honest? Are they vulnerable? Are they transparent? Are they a forgiving person? Do they admit their faults? Are they someone who holds a grudge? Are they someone who remembers what happened to them 15 years ago and still bitterly holds on to it? Um, so you want to think about are they a person of character? Um, these are some other issues to think about, maybe lesser issues but more important issues. Um, and we read a book as we were in a relationship that your mentor suggested to us uh, called 101 Questions to Ask Before Getting Married or Before Getting Engaged, I think yes. it was. And that was very helpful. It does everything, talks about everything from finances, the church background, to disciplining your children, to what kind of schooling do you want to do with your children? It just makes you think really clearly through, okay, what are some questions we should think about that could become potential pitfalls if we don't enter into in marriage and so things to think about what church background are you from do you have the same political convictions i mean that can actually be a big point of contention if not what is your cultural background i mean if people are coming together from two different cultures you really need to think about this i mean what language backgrounds expectation of marriage um how will you discipline your children uh, that's a big issue to really think about. I mean, if one believes in spanking and the other one doesn't, I mean, that's a big issue of contention in your It
1: will come up if you have children, Yeah, it me. will, because <laughs>
0: children aren't perfect, sinless little robots. They actually have opinions and they will defy you at times. Where will you live? Are you wanting, no, 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 I must live here in South Africa. No, 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 I want to live in Europe. Well, okay, that that's not going to work if you can't agree on that. But most importantly, you need to be willing to put the mirror up to yourself and ask, do I meet the qualifications that I have for a potential spouse, husband, or wife? Really think, am I a person of character? Am I someone who loves the Lord more than this person? Do we have the same life calling? And so, um, yeah, did you want to add something?
1: No, just uh, thought we'd move to the red flags. Yeah,
0: so we want to talk about the red flags in a relationship. Um, These are some red flags.
1: Yeah. So the first one uh, that we came up with was the superficial Christian, where he or she is a Christian in name only. I think we all know what they are. Um, in the States, they were, they're were they called CEO Christians. Christmas. Christ- Christmas. and Easter only. Christians, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So people who basically go to church maybe once or twice a year, they're not really Christians, really.
0: Or they grew up as a Christian. Yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, do you love the Lord? Do you read your Bible? Uh, what's that? yeah
1: (laughs) they may be passive in their faith rather than active if they even have any real faith at all Um, a second red flag is different life callings we've already talked about this but uh, just to touch on it again girls say future missionary to unreached tribes meets a guy studying to work as a programmer in the tech industry i think hunter already discussed this so we'll move on but different life calling could be a red flag but isn't necessarily a red flag Um, Another point is someone who's proud. They're unwilling to admit their faults. Believe me, you will have arguments in your marriage. So if you marry someone who is proud, it's going to make um, conflict resolution a lot more challenging. Or if you're proud yourself, remember, these red flags can apply to you. It isn't just necessarily to the other person. Um, The fourth red flag we came up with was codependency, someone who is unable to live without you constantly texting whatsapping messaging facebook calling whatever it is saying hey can i see you i haven't seen you in five hours i miss you we have to spend time together what do you mean you're spending time with your guy friends tonight or girlfriends What about me? We've got to hang out. I need you. With a girl
0: by her phone. Oh my word, he hasn't texted me in five minutes. Maybe he doesn't love
1: me anymore. Yes. So codependency, that can be a real problem.
0: And that's really just an idolatry issue. We touched on that a bit.
1: Yes. Um, A fifth red flag is controlling or someone who is a controlling person. Unwilling to let you have a life outside of his or her control. So that's kind of another aspect of codependency, I think. Yeah. Um,
0: and it can become even sort of abusive at times, not like physically abusive, but emotionally, spiritually abusive.
1: Yes. And that's, that's a real danger. And again, you may have some of these tendencies. tendencies yourself. It doesn't mean you can't work through it, but it still it can be a, a serious problem in your relationship. Uh, You can also have the classic foot dragger, who will only get married once they have all their ducks in a row, plus a million rand saved for their kids' college fund. Um, Word to the wise, you will never have every single thing perfectly lined up. God expects us to take a leap of faith. Now, that doesn't mean we recklessly fall headlong into a lifelong commitment, but there needs to be an element of trust. We can't control everything. Yeah. Um, there's also the unforgiving person. And that is something I think Hunter already touched on. Someone who struggles to let go of past sins, holds on to bitterness rather than letting go and forgiving those who have wronged them. So that's the unforgiving person. Uh, number eight is pretty important. Lack of leadership. Hunter, do you want to take this yeah, one? Yeah. When a
0: man's unwilling to take the lead spiritually or setting the vision and direction or taking initiative, he's not even going to ask her to get married he wants her to ask. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's a real issue. Uh, the rebel we put just as an example, a woman who doesn't want to respect the male authority in her life. She just, no, 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 I want to do things my way. And she's not willing to follow leadership. I mean, the Bible has given us a model that the husband is to love the wife as Christ loved the church, but he's also meant to be the leader. And so she's meant to submit to his leadership, his loving self-sacrificing leadership. And then the last sort of downfall would be the coward, the man who's unwilling to make necessary changes to prepare for marriage, to provide for a spouse, and he's too fearful to ask her parents for permission. So he's cowardly sort of, "Eh, well, I don't really want to rock the boat or I don't want to ask that because it's too difficult. Um, So these are just some red flags to think about um, as you pursue a relationship.
1: Now remember, ladies, if a man is seriously interested in you, he is going to approach your father or your parents or whoever is an authority figure in your life. If your parents are no longer around or aren't nearby, you are worth it. If he is unwilling to ask your father or mother or whoever um, for permission to pursue a relationship with you, that is a serious red flag. You are truly worth it. So don't make excuses. If he doesn't want to take the next step then that that is something you need to certainly pay attention to.
0: Yeah. And so the model is that a husband is meant to lovingly lead and self-sacrifice and protect his wife and the wife is to submit respectfully to her husband. And that doesn't mean she's a doormat, but there is an order that God has created. So we need strong leaders, we need love and respect in relationships. But yeah, this has just been sort of an introduction as we think about courtship a bit more deeply this week. Um, Remember, courting really emphasizes the other person building them up in the Lord rather than just infatuation physically with the person. You want to involve the other person's authorities, not just, oh, we do what feels right for us. And then dating often leads to sexual sin. And so we've given you some different things to think about, not rushing into things, thinking prayerfully, but you don't want to wait so long that you're 80 years old before you end up getting married. You want to (laughs) love the other person. You don't want to just love yourself. You don't want to make an idol of that person, and we want to be authentic, real, transparent in our relationships. And remember, as we think of relationships, first and foremost, do they love the Lord more than me? Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We hope this has been a blessing to you. Good night, and God bless.